Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Off the Bench with Benny Jones and Scotty Sadler for First Choice Liquor for all your liquor needs. And welcome to Off the Bench for First Choice Liquor. Great to have your company on after what has been a huge weekend in sport, uh, specifically Tuesday, where uh, we all stopped to watch uh, the race that uh, does bring the nation to a halt, and that is, of course, the Melbourne Cup. The English Raiders have come and won and taken the trophy home, and uh, what a race it was. Cross-counter. Not that this man needs much reminding of it. Benny Jones, my name. Scott Sattler, my co-host. And the reason you don't want reminding of it, Sats, even though we will bring it up a little later on in the program, is um, <sighs> you tipped it. Yeah. But you didn't back it. No. Uh, that's punting 101 don'ts uh, in the don'ts column. Um, but anyway, uh, that would have been, it's two in a row you've tipped now. Yeah. You were kindling last year. No, I had Almanden the year before. So that's three. Yeah. And I didn't put money on this one because <sighs> I left it too late. TAB had a line outside the door. I was too lazy to cross the road to go somewhere else to do it, and I just said, oh, I'll just so, sit back and enjoy it. So the irony in that is... I what? saw that red cap coming up the outside, and I said, you idiot! <laughs> the irony in that is, there was a big line in front of you, and all you wanted to do was throw some of those patrons across oh. the counter to put a bet on cross-counter, and you would have... Uh, you, uh, $12? I was never so sure. $12? I was never so sure of a horse winning, especially at 51 kilos. And- yep. A three-year-old, four-year-old in Australia. Kira McAvoy on the back. I just thought at some stage the Sheik from Godolphin was going to win one eventually. Yeah. Okay. No, anyway. Well, as I said, we, we won't uh, open up old wounds until a little later on <laughs> in the program. Uh, what I do want to talk to you about, uh, and this was a huge bit of news, I mean, the, the dust seemingly has settled, and I do say that with bated breath because we're not 100% sure that it has entirely settled, and I'm talking about the coaching situation uh, amongst a number of NRL clubs, specifically the Rabbitohs yep. and the Broncos. But this isn't a coaching role, but it could become one of the most shrewd appointments of any NRL club in this offseason, and that is the Gold Coast Titans and the arrival of Mel Meninga. Now, explain the role to us and what Mel will be doing on a week-to-week basis and just how big a coop this is. Firstly, what I love about this is the Gold Coast Titans have been able to hold this in-house. This came completely left field. Our great mate Gary Belcher didn't know anything about it, and he's best mates with Mal as well. So I really love that the Gold Coast Titans were able to hold this close to their chest. Yeah. Rebecca Fazell and Dennis Watt, their executive chairman, and Daryl Kelly, their owners. Um, yeah, now the, the title itself is performance, high performance and mm-hmm. cultural manager. So I think it may have been a role that would have been in consultation with Mal as they would have been discussing with him some involvement he could have with the club. And this is, goes back to September when these discussions commenced. He's going to move his beautiful family from Canberra, with only moved 18 months ago, up to the Gold Coast. That's yep. how serious he is about yeah. this role. Wow. It's not going to be a fly-in, fly-out no. role. And I wouldn't think that he would do that anyway. But um, basically what he's going to oversee is not the entire football department. It's about the playing group. It's about knowing the players. It's about trying to find out off-field how we can transfer what each player's got physically, emotionally, and how we can transfer that to success on the field. Yeah, Mal will will bring his brutal honesty approach um, 
his mere presence will all of a sudden lift all training sessions and all performances exponentially with just just him in the same postcode. What does it do to the psyche of Garth Brennan? And I, I ask that knowing that he's had a one-year extension, so he will be there till the end of 2020, and that was announced only recently. Yep. Uh, but to have a figure as as dominant, as overpowering, as just as as revered and respected as Mel Meninga in the corridors at your football club, knowing that he's also the national team coach, is it a good thing or a, a worrying thing? It's a good thing for Garth Brennan. Yep. If you were an established coach, you would start looking over your yeah, shoulder. That's probably a better point. Yeah. But Garth Brennan is a he's still developing himself as a coach, so you can always can always learn. You should never stop learning. doesn't matter how experienced you are in anything that you do. And mm. Garth Brennan has had the ability to, when he's at Penrith, have Greg Alexander and Roy Simmons, premiership winning players, and also being coaches within their right in some capacity. Now he's got a guy like Mal Meninga that he can, on a daily basis, walk into the office next door and just pick his brain yep. and just educate himself. You know, he's got his own philosophy, and you should never sway from your own philosophy, but you can add little... You know, a little past your philosophy that can improve you as a person, player, whatever it may be. So, you know, Garth Brennan, I think I think he'll know from day one that Mal won't be an interference and won't be a threat to mm. his role because quite merely quite quite frankly, I don't I don't think Mal wants to coach week to week. No, and he made that pretty clear at the yeah. press conference to announce his appointment. Uh, anyway. But it's also you know, this is now this is a testing time for Mal also. He'll still retain the kangaroos job, Benny, yep. and um, and the board has, has ratified that. They've yeah. said, that's fine. We've got no problem with that. And um, and the Gold Coast Titans would enjoy that he takes a break away from the playing group as well at times and see whether that can that's, that planning can then overlap into those mm. periods when he's not there. But it's a testing time for Mel because he hasn't had great success as a week-to-week coach. So this role within, its, within itself, it's not week-to-week, it's hour-to-hour, it's minute-to-minute. And being able to... Being able to, I suppose, massage his mind and his body to to be able to think minute to minute uh, on a day to day basis is going to be difficult for him. So it's going to find him difficult. It's going to be difficult for him to get into a into some sort of routine really quickly. Now, Sats, I know that appointment, that announcement, put a smile on your face. Um, less so, I believe, the announcement of the 2018 Golden Boot winner. Now, oh, don't get me started. Well, I, I, I think I just have. Um, your reaction to this when I spoke to you about it yesterday was pretty forthright. Oh. Uh, just to let our listeners know, it probably hasn't created too many ripples here in this country because of the fact uh, an Australian didn't win it, but... It went to a POM, and it went to a winger, which is another point of contention oh. for you, Sats, to Tommy Mackinson, who... Uh, Wingers are people who hang around football teams. Actually, mate, it was, it was his debut <laughs> It was his debut international season. He only, I think you were saying, played his first test a few months ago. Yeah, so the Golden Boot, of course, is the prestigious award for the best player in the world. In the world, yeah. yeah. Through a calendar year. Uh, this is voted on by the media in the Southern and Northern Hemisphere. It's... Dates back to the World Cup last year, all through, all the way through to the second test, which was played last week. Now, yeah. the nominees out of the last 12 months have been Tommy Mackinson, the winger from England, who played his first test in May this year in Denver at Mile High Stadium. Dallin Wattini Zalesniak, who is another winger and is a fine player and has had a really good back end of the season as a fullback. Elliot Whitehead, tremendous player that's come over from the UK Super League and, and forged himself to be a really good NRL player, a classy NRL back rower. 
and James Tedesco, yep. who has just had a breakout year in his first year with the with the Roosters, and also winning a state of origin, and and probably only a hair length behind Billy Slater as the as the player, the, the winner of the series. player of the yeah. Origin series. Mm. But then you got Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, who was the Dalian Medal winner and who had a an amazing season in his first year as is a skipper. So he couldn't even get a gong as a nominee. No, nah, exactly. So you know. I'd, I just think that um, how, how is it, it ridicules the award. Well, how is it weighted? I mean, clearly, it, it, going by that, and uh, look, take, I, I don't want to take anything away from Tommy because his, his last couple of test performances, I mean, he scored a hat-trick in the last game, so he's obviously been playing well, but how heavily weighted is club v. country? I mean, there's obviously a lot more appearances for club, so you'd have to think that he's, he's brained them at club level to... To, to get this award as but well. But then again, it's... But I, so is Tedesco. I know, I know right? the argument is it's all relative because the UK Super League is, I don't know, probably 60, yeah. 65, he, 70% he, of the NRLs... He didn't even play in the World Cup. No, mm. no. So usually you would look at week-to-week footy, but mainly you would look at State of Origin series, Test Match series across the calendar year. You would make a decision from that. Um, if you look at those, those credentials... Um, I I can't see how Tommy Mackinson could even be nominated, could even yeah. be mentioned right. in up. the same discussion. He's fired you up, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, just, in his defence, but you know he was quite shocked himself. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's right. Uh, George Burgess, uh, just a quick one, staying in the UK. He uh, he's been rubbed out for an eye gouging yeah. incident uh, against the Four Kiwis. Matches. Yeah, so he misses the third test. He misses three games uh, for the Bunnies upon yep. his return. Um, but that doesn't sit well with you either because I think you were saying on Sports Day through the week, if you're guilty of eye gouging, it's, it's two exactly. or three months. You go to an independent commission board, international board, and uh, found him guilty. Yeah, gave him three weeks. It's black or white. There are some things in the league that are black or white, and intentional acts are black or white. Um, deliberate, deliberate elbow to the face. Yeah. Um, I suppose an eye gouge definitely comes into that. Biting comes into it. It's, an, it's a it's a deliberate act. Biting, spitting. If they sort of found stuff, yeah. that, that, that he's guilty of that charge, he should have got double digits. He should have got 10, 11, 12, 13 weeks. You talk about suspending a guy for a careless high tackle that could miss two weeks in mm. an NRL mm. season. He's going to miss three NRL games because of an eye gouge. And when you look at the footage... There's no raking motion. Yes, he has got his hands up around the, the eye, nose, face region. Dallin Martini is a lesniak. does react after. He sort of stands up as if to say, what are you doing? He had to have eye drops to finish the game. Yeah. But it wasn't a deliberate act. There was no raking motion from the hand across the eye. So um, if he's found guilty of eye gouging, give him 12 weeks. Hmm. Other than that, you've got to let him off. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree. I mean, I haven't checked. I probably should have prior to recording whether there is an appeal in, in the works. I think they had spoken about yeah. potentially looking at that, but it, I, I didn't think of it your way. I mean, it's you're guilty or you're not guilty, but surely if you're guilty of eye gouging, which is a pretty heinous type of act on a football field. Eye gouging is in the top two worst it's things in a rugby league yeah. field. Yeah, so, and, it's, and it's, you know, for, for, from George's point of view, yep. it's mud that sticks, it's a slur because it, it stays on his record. Yep. So, yeah, we'll watch how that unfolds, see what happens there. Just before we get to uh, our great friends at Ned's uh, and uh, Jared Timms for his spring racing tips, and we might even touch on uh, 2019 NRL season as well, uh, I did mention the coaching uh, merry-go-round, maybe 
slowing down, dust settling as such. But I did see Anthony Seabold. He did front up to Redfern for day one of pre-season. And yeah. he actually claims that uh, all this discussion about a straight swap in 2019, that's being driven by a, a media agenda. He didn't name names, but yep. he, he cast a pretty wide net. Do, do you subscribe to that? I love thing? Anthony Seabold. He's a great guy. Um, from all reports, he's a really good coach. Um, and what I what I do love about him is, is when the – the Rabbitohs went to the Gold Coast to play the Titans, and my father lives on the Gold Coast, and he made contact to see if Dad would come in and have dinner with the team and presented him with some things, and he, and he presented a jersey to yep. Sam Burgess. So he, get, I, he gets the history. Yeah, I loved yep. it that he, you know, that he included my father. So I've got a personal attachment to not only South, but Anthony Seabold as well, as I did with Michael Maguire. I, it doesn't mean I agree with the decision that he's made. Yep. Um, feel a little bit hurt again from an emotional point of view. I can't see how they can stay at the clubs. But now that South have commenced training and he has gone back to training um, and started pre-season, there's just no way they can swap now. And they keep alluding to that, both Bennett and Seabold. I've got no doubt they've been on the phone to each other to say, hey, yeah, what do you think? we've just got to do the same thing. Yep. We've got to follow the same track. And now that they've started, started pre-season, they just have to all learn how to play in the same sandbox now, especially yeah. at South. Brisbane are fine because they always knew Bennett was going to be there for 19. South, on the other hand, they've just got to all sit down and say to each other, you know what, we may not like it, but let's go and win some footy games and see what comes out at the other end. Well, that was effectively the thought process of a former league star and now uh, Fox Sports media pundit in uh, Michael Ennis, who spoke about uh, the possible switch of the two coaches in 2019. And he effectively said, and we'll hear the audio now, that uh, if it doesn't happen by day one of pre-season, then it just simply shouldn't happen. There's a couple of things that need to happen with this, and it needs to happen again. Like we just spoke about with the Seagulls, it needs to happen really quickly. They can ill afford both sides to have... Anthony Seabolt remain at South Sydney and start the preseason there and Wayne Bennett likewise at the Broncos and then have to move a couple of weeks into their tenure. It's so unsettling and the ramifications uh, will be so unnecessary for both clubs. This is where it comes down to Carl Morris and Paul White. I mean, we've seen this morning, if, we're, if we believe what we read in the papers, that Shane Richardson is in the UK at the moment with Wayne Bennett and he's going to instigate this, this swap or, or what needs to be done with the two coaches here. But it comes down to Carl Morris and Paul White, two really high-respected leaders in administration in rugby league. And if they care about the Broncos, which they obviously do, if they care about the players, and most importantly, they care about their fans, then they will do the right thing and move Wayne Bennett on, and they will do it this week. It has to be done this week so that both parties can move on. Anthony Seabolt's, if we're led to believe that the players, from what we've seen in the paper today, uh, are frustrated and disappointed in Anthony Seabolt. It's a totally different situation to what Wayne Bennett had. The Broncos, through Paul White and their administration, made a stance that they didn't want Wayne Bennett from 2020 onwards. So Wayne Bennett, to his word, has stuck by the Broncos and the players and said he will see it out. And that's the right thing to do because he cares about his players. For Anthony Seabolt, on the other hand, he's made the decision to leave South Sydney after being offered an extension and a longer contract there. So his heart's obviously not there. So that was Michael Ennis speaking on Fox Sports a little earlier on in the week. But uh, as we've just discussed, Anthony Seabold's rocked up. I'm sure that Wayne Bennett will be rocking up. And it looks as though they will stay put for the time being through the 2019 season. Uh, we're going to uh, recap, of course, the race that stopped the nation. Our discussion earlier on in the week uh, with myself and Sats after the win of Cross Counter at the 2018 Melbourne Cup. That's coming up shortly. But before we do that, let's get a Ned's Odds update. 
An off the bench odds update for Neds. Timsy's tips delivered by the Neds Punters Toolbox. Yeah, and I've got to be brutally honest, I'm just glad we could get a hold of this gentleman for a couple of minutes through what must be one of the busiest weeks of his working <laughs> life. He'd uh, have it no other way, of course. I'm referring to the one and only Timsy, Jared Timms, who joins us here on Off The Bench with some odds ahead of the weekend. Uh, but Timsy, first and foremost, Melbourne Cup run and one. How was the day? And mate, how are you keeping up with everything at the moment? Benny, it was a great day. Look, barely a moment to breathe, but a fantastic day all round. I was happy to say that I had a Prince of Aran each way, so I saved myself in the each way market there, but pushing on yeah. to stakes day. Yeah, there's some absolute ripping races to look forward to. So the uh, the carnival is in full swing, there's no doubt about it. And of course, Timsy's tips are delivered thanks to the Ned's Punders Toolbox. This is an absolute beauty. I was using it flat out on Tuesday. It saved my bacon on a few occasions. It's available all day, every day throughout the spring carnival. Uh, let's get into it, mate. And I want to start with, well, we'll go with the Group 1s coming up uh, very, very soon. The VRC Sprint Classic. Uh, what can you tell us about this race? Yeah, this is one of my favourite Group 1 races of the year. I absolutely love a sprint down the Flemington Straight. Unsurprising to see Red Zell's the $4.80 favourite from Pierata, $5, and Kementari, $7. Look, there isn't a better straight tracker in the country than Redkirk Warrior. He's won the two most recent Newmarket handicaps, and he flew home to pip Red Zell on the line in the Lightning Stakes first up in autumn. He's $12 in this market, and I have to have something each one. Insane value. Yeah, you like your value, Jared. So I like that too, and I'm sure our listeners will be taking notes as we speak. Now, the Poms are winning all of our races, Jared. Please tell me this isn't going to continue. It looks as though that could be the case in the McKinnon, mind you. I think it's going to be, unfortunately. Look, Blair House has opened a firm $2.25 favourite from another Brit Latrobe, $5. And then last weekend's Empire Rose Stakes winner Shillelagh flying the Aussie flag at $6.50. Blair House ran Ben Battle to a short nose in the Caulfield Stakes at this trip last time, and that horse has obviously since come out and run second behind Winks in the mm. Cox Plate. Pretty hard to argue with that form. I think he's going to be winning at $2.25. couple of ripping group ones there. Let's turn our attention to some A-League, uh, Timsy, and uh, you're a big fan of the Wanderers and the way they're going about it at the moment. They're heading to Mudgee this week to take on the Brisbane Roar. Yeah, I gave them little chance at the start of the season, but they've certainly proved me wrong so far. Very competitive and a very dominant win over the Wellington Phoenix last weekend. Mm. I think this is another very, very winnable game from them. I'm yet to rate the raw, and I think they'll be winning at $2.10. Mate, as always, appreciate your time. Timsy's tips are delivered by the Ned's Punters Toolbox. Uh, the Carnival, as I said, in full swing. Continue to enjoy, mate, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Benny, and good luck, punters. You're listening to Off the Bench with Benny Jones and Scotty Sadler for first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. You're listening to Off the Bench with Benny Jones and Scotty Sadler for first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. Oh, yeah, and First Choice Liquor is exactly where my co-host, uh, the esteemed Scott Sattler, should have been heading on Tuesday afternoon to, to shout the entire crew because uh, he backed the winner. Well, he tipped the winner. He didn't back the winner at the 2018 Melbourne Cup across counter. Uh, this is off the bench. Uh, Sats, you are here. It's a few days on from, of course, what took place on Tuesday, and we'll obviously replay some audio shortly where we recapped uh, everything that went on in the race. There was obviously triumph. There was a little mix of tragedy in there as well and the overseas Raiders have once again got the job done but it's a it's such a unique day and I know that we're not in Melbourne uh, so we're not 
absorbed by it or surrounded by it, but it, it does capture the entire country, and, and there aren't many sporting events in the world that do that to us. There are also many people that are critical, Benny, that there are so many international horses yeah, in the Melbourne Cup. Well, doesn't. if we want to make yep. the Melbourne Cup the premier race on the globe, yep. you have to invite everyone from all corners of the, of the, of the, of the world. So, I think we've always prided ourselves in, in, in taking on the world's best. Too. Yeah. Now, it, all that says to me is, and with the greatest respect to local trainers, who I'm sure do a mountain of work and, and dream of having a Melbourne Cup winner, it just it means we just have to raise the bar. With our stayers here in Australia, we just need to, to work harder to, to try. And, and I know we don't have the dollars to match Godolphin and some of these you know Arab Emirates and Dubai syndicates, but that's the challenge. So mm. you know, when have we as Australians ever backed away from yeah, a sporting there's, challenge? There's been also some corners that have said there needs to be a certain amount of places in the Melbourne Cup that need to be just Australian horses. No, I don't, I don't, I don't no. agree to that. Also, I, I agree with you. We just have to raise the bar. I'm not surprised that conversation comes up in 2018 when everything wants to be you know what I love Everyone about, wants a fair go. Do you know what I love about Melbourne Cup? What do you I love about? it that some of the ladies who dress up and they save up and they get their hair, their makeup, their nails, they get a spray tan. They just oh, the whole it, they look the best they've ever hey, looked hey, in their entire life. Some of the blokes do that too, mind yeah, you, these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then by about race, what race is Melbourne Cup? Seven. Eight, seven, seven. Seven of ten. Yeah, by about the end of race eight, yeah. they just look like they've just been asleep in a dumpster. It goes downhill quickly. Yeah. I think everyone tries to peak for the cup. You mm. want to be at your best for the cup and then – after that, it sort of catches up with you. But what I also love about the dedication they show Sats, and you're spot on, I've been to some you know, race days and I've seen what it takes for the other half to get herself happy to leave the front door. Um, the weather in Melbourne was horrific and yet they are all in their ponchos still with the, the, the garb on underneath and then the women were taking the shoes off because it was muddy. And But they find a way, they get through and... The pictures at the end of the day are actually quite comical. Uh, I don't mind it. it. It's look, it's a great social outing. It's a huge sporting event. It's we, even worse when you pick the winner and don't put money on it. But and it is. And we're anyway. going to talk. Well, we're going to recap that for you because earlier on in the week, obviously straight after the race, hours after the race, uh, and while we we're all absorbing Cross Counters triumph, we spoke about it on Sports Day. So this was our 2018 Melbourne Cup recap. Yucatan about six off the lead around the turn, followed by Aubrey and Nikita. Finch up to run away, followed by Bon Jamaster, Charles Road, a Prince of Aaron's presenting from Ventura Storm and Rostropovich. 300 to go, it's Finch with a Prince of Aaron on the outside. Rostropovich is running on and Marbello back to the inside too. A Prince of Aaron at the 200, Marbello wearing it down. Marbello gets up on the inside and here comes Cross Counter. Cross Counter coming at Marbello. So there you go, Sats. Uh, cross counter for Charlie Appleby and, uh, of course, Sheikh Muhammad. I think it's the first time uh, they have. they've managed to take the race they've out. They've had plenty of attempts. Numerous attempts, mm. but uh, they finally get the job done. Uh, millions of dollars in prize money, a nice shiny gold trophy for their troubles. And Kieran McAvoy, as you touched on uh, early on in the program, that's his third Melbourne Cup. So uh, you'd never get sick of winning a Melbourne Cup. But uh, what a race. Didn't come without some drama, particularly early on. Uh, with uh, one of the horses breaking down, unfortunately, um, and and that will be its story in its own right. But 
again, it's just a, it's an incredible day. And, well, Melbourne served up some interesting weather. Yeah, it was four seasons in one day, of course, as you said, Benny. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, at the start of the race, down down the straight, I think it was at Cliffs Past of... Past the post the first time, Cliffs yeah. Of, Cliffs, Cliffs of Moa. Moa, Moa or, yeah. Um, obviously pulled up and then... Who shot the barn was involved, and the eventual winner, Cross Counter, was involved yeah. in that as well. So you would think, although plenty of time to get back into the race and get it stride, you thought it may have been rattled a little bit in that confrontation. I know this is of little comfort to those involved with Cliffs of Moore, anyone who backed it, of course, but it's actually almost a miracle, and, and maybe somewhat fortunate that that horse was at the back of the field when it broke yeah. down, because that could have been, if that had been in the in the middle of the pack or even at the front, that could have been carnage, and. Uh, Look, while I said our, our heart bleeds for the uh, the connections of Cliffs of Mar, um, unfortunately, uh, no good there, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse. If but- you get to see the image, and we just watched it uh, again, the replay, the aerial v- v- image from the... Down the, down the straight. Down the straight. straight. Where Cross Counter comes from is quite amazing. Has to yep. has to Long get through back. plenty of traffic mm. all the way back in about second last, third last. But Mamello who eventually got second, Bowman would have got to the front and gone, I'm home and hosed yeah, here. Then all of a days. sudden caught a, caught a cold as Cross <laughs> Counter flew past it in the final 50 metres. It's a, a good little interview also with Kira McAvoy, who spoke about when he was a young fella, he went over to England and followed around Frankie Dettori, who taught him the ropes and taught him how to win big big races. And then he came back to Australia and, of course, won his first Melbourne Cup and has gone on to win his third. Now, there will be a lot of people tuning into the program tonight thinking, oh, how much are we going to have to put up with Scott Sattler and his bragging? Because, of course, last night, if you were listening to the program, this happened when I asked the boys for the Melbourne Cup tips. Tips for the Melbourne Cup, boys. Uh, what have you got oh. for us? Come on, Sats, you've been studying the form all show. Not okay. really concentrating I'm on the I'm going for the um, only carrying 51 kilos. Cross Counter, written by Kieran McAvoy, coming, oh, but yeah. coming out of Barrier back. 19, okay. but oh, uh, carrying yeah. a light weight. <laughs> You're all over it. And, yeah. and there will be people, cynical people out there going, oh, you've just recorded that 24 times and then picked the winning one to use. <laughs> no, no, that is as it went live to where last night, Scotty Sattler all over Cross Counter. But, and on a day where it must be said, a few betting agencies didn't have their best day at the office. I've seen social media meltdowns of more than one betting agency who's online app or phone app oh, absolutely melted down in the uh, lead up to the Melbourne Cup. That's my Cup. excuse. My app was down. Is it really? Yeah, I couldn't get my bet on. Now, let's let's be brutally honest here, Sats, because that isn't your excuse, because about five minutes prior to the race, I said to you, out of the kindness of my heart, I've got a little bit of money in my account. Do you want me to put a bet on for someone? And you said, yeah, put it on number 10, Avilius. Mm. So you, you changed your mind. Yeah, no. My, Stick to your guns, my mate. My bet was always going to be cross count if I got to the TAB. But, I gave you I that just like the name of Vilius. <laughs> if I had a kid again, I'd call it Vilius. Uh, yeah, Do I think, know who came last? You'll be naming it cross Well, it did the, not finish, but that yeah. doesn't count. Who, who was? Who, who was Red 23rd? Cardinal. Oh, was it? Yeah. Which, if you're in a sweep, you've got to understand that Red Cardinal gets some money in the sweeps at work. Now, I, I was obviously really disappointed for you, Sats, because it would have been a nice little payday. Paid $12, I yes. think, the win in the end. Um, what I will say is I was cringing down the home straight because a horse that my wife backed. Now, my wife has no interest or knowledge or expertise. Oh, uh, that's right. She picked Finch because Finch. But uh, she was, for two reasons. She was concerned that if it was a dressage oh, horse in its early no. days in France, it wouldn't win. Uh, 
she said first reason was it's her favourite character in the you remember the American Pie movies? Yeah, Finch was the yeah, um, OCD clean neat freak one. Her favourite rugby league player is Brett Finch. Who went all right with Stifler's mum. Her favourite cricket player is Aaron Finch. There you go. Yeah. All of those things. But she also then was a touch concerned and wanted to back out of her bet when I told her that Finch was a French horse, had come over from the UK, and she said, well, no, I don't know now. And I said, well, why? Why have you changed your mind? She goes, well... If it's from France, it's it's more likely to be a dressage horse because they're very fancy over there. So how do we know it's going to be any good racing? And I said, I, I don't reckon you'd put it on a plane, fly 24 hours to the other side of the world with a dressage horse to put it in the Melbourne Cup. Anyway, she stuck to her guns. It finished fourth. This is the same person that on the weekend asked you whether ants have got bones. She did, yeah. Would she's you not, be offended if well. I said your wife's an idiot? <laughs> um, I should be, but I'm not. Space Cadet you've used before. Idiot's the next step up it. Uh, she's got a heart of gold. We, we think she's a paid actor and she's just having us all on. Back to the Melbourne Cup. Uh, I tell you who isn't an idiot, and uh, that is, um, well, Bruce McAvaney. That yep. was his luck. And the reason, it's a poor segue, po- apologies, Bruce, but the reason I want to bring him up is he announced in the lead-up to the race, this will be the last time he covers the Melbourne yes. Cup. Uh, and we saw some vision. Anyone who watched the Front Bar, which is an AFL footy show essentially on a Thursday night, they did a special Melbourne Cup edition. Bruce was a special guest, and they asked Bruce, who apparently has a party trick. Now, I don't know if you've have you got a party trick that if you're sitting around with a bunch of mates, they'll say, oh, Sats, do that thing you do. Some people can play guitars. Some people can do things with their body that probably are not fit for radio. Um, I'm trying to think. Anything? No? no. Like, like sculling a drink really quick or nothing no, like that? No, I don't. Well, well, Bruce's party trick is a lot tamer than that, but it's incredible. He can, he can reel off the last 400 metres of any Melbourne Cup going back some 40-odd years. Now, that to me is just mind-boggling how anyone – I can't even remember how this race finished, and it was only five hours ago. He can, <laughs> he can call a race – and he did on the show. He did on the front bar. I think it was from 1965. You can be diagnosed with something like that. Unbelievable. Uh, and, yeah, it was his last coverage this year, so yeah. he's going to be taking a step back. That's a shame. Not only do you love him hosting every major event, especially yeah. around the horse racing yep. as well, but we've seen him do Olympics, whatever it may be. But what I love is his, especially around the spring carnival, these big races, his big group one uh, races, is he goes down to trackside and interviews the jockey or yeah. the owner, whatever yeah. it may be. It's always He always has this great ability to get just close and personal with not only the, the jockey, but also its family members as well. He, he could, in one breath, speak to a Bart Cummings. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously one of the biggest names that's ever been in horse racing in this country. But two minutes later, you're right, he could be talking to a strapper of a horse yeah. that you know, finished sixth in a country mm. meet. So uh, it will be a sad loss. So there you go, a recap of the Melbourne Cup, uh, and we'll do it all again in 12 months' time. And this time around, when Sats tips the winner, he's going to actually back it. Is that right? You, you're definitely going to yes. back it next time. Yes. <laughs> oh, poor Sats. <laughs> oh, think of the money you could have spent on your other half or something along those lines. Uh, you're listening to Off the Bench. He could have spent it at First Choice Liquor. That's who we're doing the show thanks to. For all of your liquor needs, uh, after the break, a Makita Power Player, and we'll also get a preview for another big week in motorsport as the driver's seat boys join us here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench with Benny Jones and Scotty Sadler for First Choice Liquor for all your liquor needs. The Sports Day Makita Power Player for Makita's massive redemption sale. Makita, when power means business. Uh, massive redemption sale indeed. Grab yourself free Makita gear. Visit makita.com.au for details. Pretty easy one, this one badge. Makita Power Player. We're going to stick with the Melbourne Cup. The horse or the jockey? No, we'll go with the jockey this time. I think we spoke about... Yeah, we did. We did. We spoke about Cross. Let's talk about Karen McAvoy. What a uh, what a twelve months it's been 
for for Karen. That's, oh. that's uh, a red zell for his bank account. Back to back Everests. Yep. yep. Uh, and now that's his third Melbourne Cup, yep. isn't yep. it? Won yeah. his first one twenty years ago on Brew. Mm. Well done, Almeida. Um, two years ago, and yep. you've pointed out. Uh, I haven't really watched the race back that much. You pointed out that went from twenty first, yeah, to first, first in a space of five hundred uh, metres. It was winks like just before the winks like that run. The footage that that um, drone footage over the top of the horses is quite amazing. The amount of distance that that uh, Kieran McAvoy had to try and pull. Uh, counter punch or counter punch cross counter into the into the clear. Both horses, Marmelo went. They both went in completely opposite directions. Marmelo up the inside, but the 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 amount of traffic that he Kieran McAvoy had to get that horse through was mm. quite amazing. What and what a you know it, I think it's fair to say what a completely different result we would have had if it hadn't rained. Yeah, and and straight away you know you, you see the the favourite Yucatan and. Magic uh, Circle, Magic which Circle. came in favourites. Uh, some of those, that I think they just went, well, it's going to be a tough day. And they, uh, in the wet, it just got, oh, they had, what they have, a, a few weeks worth of rain in about, or 20, yeah. 41 mil in uh, the space. Yeah, it was basically yeah, a, a, month's worth, a month's worth of rain in the space of, yeah, three hours prior yeah. to the cup. Wow. Uh, now, and you talk about sliding doors moments, and there's a million of them in sport, but um, Karen was actually down to ride, booked to ride another yes. Melbourne Cup contender who got injured and then fell out of nominations and then got the ride on cross counter. So cool. his interview after with Bruce McAvaney, usually when you win something, if you ever win at the races or whatever it may be, if you have a bet on the on the rugby league, you thought you think, oh, well, I'm going to take the missus out to dinner or something yeah. like that. He's talking buying houses. Yeah, he promised her a house. Yeah. And you know one thing about partners, and particularly wives, they don't forget promises made, so he's, mm. he's going to have to pay up for that one. It's two really sexist comments from both of you today. <laughs> you about your wife shaving you and you about... Just, I'm just women applauding women for having better memories than men. I forget mm. about all the promises my wife makes to me. Don't worry about that. Mm. Uh, that is our Makita Power Play. Yeah, it is. Massive redemption sale Makita when power means business. The driver's seat preview for Kubota skid steers. Power at your fingertips. Yeah, it's been a massive season, a massive championship on the driver's seat. And for Kubota skid steers, a power at your fingertips. We're getting a little preview of uh, the show coming up for you very, very soon. That's this weekend. You can catch the guys on Sunday, the driver's seat for Kubota Ag Equipment. This is the life, but the final stages of the 2018 Supercar Championships. Let's have a listen to uh, who the boys caught up with. And you mentioned Ben there as your co-driver, Ben Searcy. I've actually worked with Ben, not in a rally car, but in Perth. He was an instructor at one of those V8 racing type experience joints. Oh, yes. He's a loose unit. Like, can drive. He can drive, too. As much as he's a fabulous co-driver, Mate, Ben Searcy can drive. Anyone that sits in the passenger seat of any car is a loose unit. Let me get that right. <laughs> I, Very true. I agree. Like, people say to me all the time, you, you're crazy, you, you know, you're a rally driver. I said, mate, there's a person that sits beside me and oh, has mental. full trust oh. in what I'm doing. He's the, yeah. he's the idiot. He's, he's the crazy mental one. Absolutely. There, there's not, there is literally not enough money in the world for me to be a co-driver in a rally car. A... Well, certainly no co-driver, no rally driver would have me because I'd be throwing up all over them within about four <laughs> corners. I reckon. I don't know how that's people me. do it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't me. know how people. Like I was, I was a driving instructor for, I don't know, seven years and had to take tablets every day to do to, to do the work. But the way that I've been in a rally car before, driving one, and there's no way you get me in that. Well, passenger at least seat. I've got a steering wheel and uh, I can choose what tree I want to hit. Yeah. You can't do it in the passenger yeah. seat. So, the driver's seat for all you rev heads and motorsport enthusiasts. Make sure you catch the guys on Sunday, Matty McKeldon and, uh, of course, Stevie Johnson. Uh, it is for our great friends at Kubota who have the ag equipment to suit your needs. Speak to your Kubota dealer. 
It's going to be a massive show as we wind towards the end of the championship. Uh, if you want to hear more of the driver's seat, you can also go to at driver's seat show on Facebook. We'll take a quick break. Plenty more off the bench still to come. You're listening to Off the Bench with Benny Jones and Scotty Sadler for first choice liquor for all your liquor needs. Sports Day High Pressure Moment for Gurney High Pressure Cleaners available at Bunnings Warehouse. Yeah, they are indeed. Pop into your local Bunnings and uh, check out the Gurney High Pressure Cleaners. Look for someone in a green shirt. They'll point you in the right direction because Gurney gets the job done. <laughs> Sats, you came to the table. What are you chuckling about there, I, just, I just thought of a real high pressure moment across the weekend that uh, that's a bit different than what we normally come up with. Oh. When... When Lamar Patterson oh, was no, trying no, to he, smuggle yeah. his dog into oh, through his, customs, his French, bull, French bulldog, and how did he get through the Kobe. LA? Had they like, screening process? Well, he might have. He might have given he it. Might have fudged the have, paperwork too. He might have fed smug, it. How did the dog go to the toilet? He might have oh, fed it some Fenergan. Yeah, he might have exactly been right. Might have been wearing a nappy. The whole flight. What are those adult diapers that you can get for for your dogs? You, you can actually put them on dogs that are incontinent. Who was sitting next to him? Was he on his? Was it? Yeah, all yeah. those questions. But can you imagine him, yeah. uh, like, pretending he didn't have any idea? Oh, yeah, no, no. Oh, what's that? What are those ears sticking out of there? Oh, <laughs> so, sorry, so from the rather ridiculous to the actual very sincere, yeah, your yeah. high-pressure moments. Well, the Leicester players and officials, of course, they lost their, their owner. Uh, a man who, who bankrolled them when they were playing in the uh, first division. Yep. They just missed relegation a few seasons ago and then went into the, the season of 2015. 1,000 yeah. to one to win the yeah. EPL Premiership, yeah. and they did that. Yep. On the back of Jamie Vardy and some great movements by their owner, of course, died in a helicopter accident, leaving the stadium only a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, so a lot of pressure on their players and officials to get up off the canvas yeah. and not only get out on the field, but also... Um, yep. recording a 1-0 victory in emotional scenes in Cardiff. It was indeed a really tear-jerking moment and uh, hearing from Cashbus Michael after the game, who actually uh, reports had, um, when the incident took place, the helicopter crash, he actually rushed out to see if he could save some of the oh. passengers. I, that were... I wasn't here last week with you spoke about The helicopter landed on the, the main plane pitch 30 minutes after the game. Yeah. Where obviously yeah, he that, and his, he would have done the same thing ran, hundreds of times. Yep. Flew out and, and crashed in the car park outside. Yeah. Like, Could have killed a lot of other people. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. Uh, obviously still a tragedy nonetheless. Gurney High Pressure Cleaners available at Bunnings Warehouse. All right, Sats. Well, before we sign off here on uh, on off the bench, uh, we always take a little glance forward to the weekend. What are you What are you looking forward to? Is there a sporting event jumping out of the pack? For I went to boarding school for a few years, oh, Benny. I know where you're in going Brisbane. With this. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, yeah in Brisbane, yeah. and obviously at that time the NBL was flying. Mm. It was great, mm-hmm. and there's a team in Brisbane called the Bullets. Yep, they came back into the competition of late. Everyone thought they were going to be last this season. I think they're what five and two, five and two, five and three. Yeah, yeah third on the third table. on the table. They're playing on. Perth Wildcats over in Perth this weekend, and they've just been going great under their coach Andreas Lamanus. Lamanus, yep, very impressive man when he's interviewed. Yeah, former in the eighties when I used to go and watch, there was Cal Bruton and hmm. Larry Sandstock, uh, Leroy Loggins, Ronnie the Rat Radliffe, Brian Curl was their was their coach, and Boondle Entertainment Centre used to just be. Packed to the rims. But late 80s, early 90s, uh, and it takes. I was I was in primary school at that stage, but it was I recall such a boom time for basketball. Yeah, it wasn't ju- like it was obviously off the back of the NBA, and when you had the likes of Pippen, Jordan, Barkley, and Carl uh, Malone, and and these guys running around, but. Yeah, I remember the NBL being just as big. The playing cards that were getting around, the swaps at recess and at lunchtime, but. Um, 
you know, you'd get your little one-hour package uh, on Channel 10 of the NBA highlights, yeah. and that would roll into an NBL game. And, oh, it was great times. It was Southeast Melbourne Magic and the Melbourne Tigers, where I, obviously, being a Victorian boy, had a great rivalry, and the Gazers. And yes, Phil Smythe. Times. Yeah, Phil, yeah. yeah. So, great times. And, and look, the NBL at the moment is just killing it. It's fine. It so, um, well, it's on the back of one thing. It's Andrew Bogut. Well, he's helped big time. And uh, Larry Kesselman also deserves a fair bit of credit mm. for the uh, the money he's invested and the time. And now the TV networks uh, are getting on board and just clambering to get a part of it. Uh, I'm looking forward to oh, well, another team that's going places. Uh, the Westfield Matildas are in action this weekend. Playing uh, in Penrith? Uh, they are, yeah. Yep. Game one against Chile. And then they play game two in Newcastle on Tuesday night. So again, we get, you know, when I say regional areas, but certainly out in the Sam Kerr playing? She is. She's yep. a superstar. Absolutely. Mm. Arguably the world's best. She doesn't seem to get the plaudits from... A bit like the Golden Boot, uh, yep. I suppose, in the NRL. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's great to have the Matildas play. Uh, the tickets have been selling like hotcakes, and they're preparing for a World Cup in 2019. So it's an important couple of games for the girls to win to keep their ranking as high as possible, uh, meaning that uh, they'll head into that World Cup at, uh, I think it's in France, uh, with the best possible chance of winning it. So a couple of big sporting events there. Uh, mate, uh, I think we've covered just about everything we can. It's been yep. a huge weekend in sport. Huge weekend. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you next week, Tats. Absolutely. See ya. You've been listening to Off The Bench, uh, and we've been doing it for First Choice Liquor for all your liquor needs. Catch you soon.